be less curious about people and more curious about ideas. Madame Marie Curie Great men are selected. Women too. That's just the way of it. It's how the flat, motionless world spins on its axis. No, I am not bitter. Mind you, we are still dealing with the children of Cain, and I'm willing to bet that anyone whom Albert Einstein thought to personally mention or admire is a way for other spooks to identify a who's who in the world of spookery. Copernicus, Isaac Newton, Nikola Tesla, Oppenheimer, selected. After Marie Curie was publicly derided for having an affair with a former student a few years after her husband's death, Einstein wrote a letter to Curie suggesting she ignore the angry mob surrounding her house. Do you see what I mean? Perhaps not. Marie Curie was selected. Before this is over, you shall hopefully see why. The initial context here is that Marie Curie was awarded her second Nobel Prize in 1911. Her first win came in 1903 for physics. This time it was chemistry, specifically for the discovery of elements radium and polonium by the isolation of radium and the study of the nature and compounds. Her research into radioactivity caught national attention, but more on that in a moment. During an elite invite-only conference in Brussels, by which Madame Curie, her physicist lover, Paul Langevin, and some 20 other scientists were invited in the autumn of 1911. Langevin's estranged wife delivered a bundle of love letters between Langevin and Curie to the media, and all hell broke loose. Hence, Einstein's letter of support. I haphazardly read somewhere that Marie Curie's research papers are currently kept in a lead-lined box at Bibliothèque Nationale des Francs. I probably butchered that. This is due to the reported fact that, well over a century later, her material possessions are still radioactive. And it got me thinking. Today, life flourishes in Chernobyl, and it shouldn't. Not only have plants regrown in larger abundance, but animal life is more diverse than before the accident. Again, I will remind you that we here at The Unexpected Cosmology are forced to contend with a daily dosage of the official narrative, which is a movie script. And Marie Curie's paperwork is one such plot point which must be upheld so as to keep the entire production afloat. Mind you, I have no bones to pick with the box. The point here, and it's something I thought about while taking a shower only a few moments ago, is that Chernobyl is a paradise. Next week, we'll be taking a closer look at the atomic bomb hoax. Therefore, consider Madame Curie a prelude. If you ever manage to swing by Paris, which I have, then I am told that you too can take a crack at opening up the lead line box, given the right credentials. I have no such indoctrination papers, thank ya. But in order to do so, you will be required to wear protective clothing, and only after signing a waiver of liability. Marie Curie died of radiation poisoning, we are told, as did her daughter Irene, and her daughter's husband, Frederick Joliot. Proof, as they say, is in the pudding, or rather, the lead line box. Also ironic, since it is Marie Curie who was chosen to discover radiation. Here's something else that I only just recently learned. Her husband, Pierre Curie, died of another cause entirely. Now, 
Every week, I turn out a new paper. If we're dealing purely with chronological order, last week's paper focused in upon the polio hoax, which you can read about on The Unexpected Cosmology. After pushing the publish button, I sit here at my desk watching the alligator parade outside the window, wondering if inspiration will ever come to me again, which is precisely what I was doing when the death of Pierre Curie came to my attention. Something wasn't sitting right. I decided to do a little digging, and this is what I found. The death of Pierre Curie was a hoax. Oh, but there's more. In today's episode of The Unexpected Cosmology, we will be taking a closer look at the esoteric reality of Marie Curie and the Mercury death hoax. Let's get to it then. The official narrative has Marie Curie and her husband Pierre discovering radioactivity by accident, when all they were really after was the measurement coming out of uranium. Sure, the catch here is that they discovered radioactivity emitting from something which had no uranium in it. Radioactivity describes the phenomenon of radiation caused by atomic decay, a phrase which was in fact coined by Marie Curie. For their work developing the theory, Pierre and Marie Curie, along with physicists Henry Becquerel, were handed the 1903 Nobel Prize in Physics. It was using techniques which Marie Curie had invented for isolating radioactive isotopes, thereby leading to the discovery of two elements, polonium and radium, that won her the second Nobel in 1911. So far, we have only been visiting the exoteric explanation of history. There is, however, an esoteric to be discovered, and it goes something like this. On December 21, 1898, Marie and Pierre Curie discovered the radioactive element radium. Radium is a chemical element with the atomic number 88. Its symbol on the periodic table is Ra, as in the sun god. Ra is a member of the Egyptian trinity, a little-known fact which I will again refer you to next week when we take a closer look at the atomic bomb hoax. Also, the winter solstice in 1898 fell on December 21st. For three days each year, the sun, having reached its lowest point on the horizon, decidedly rises upon the exact same latitudinal line. This is the only time in the solar year when the great luminary actually stops its advancement northward or southward in the sky. In occult thinking, such an action signifies death. Typically, with the advent of Christmas morning, the sun moves one degree northward, beginning its annual journey towards spring and summer. The sun is born again. Nimrod, Osiris, the phallus. It's a Christmas tree thing. And it all boils down to sun worship via the mystery religions. Also, 12 plus 21 equals 33. So there's that. The idea has always been, alchemically speaking, to seek out the philosopher's stone, or the unknown element, by which the transmutation of base metals into gold might be achieved. The stone was first mentioned by Zosimos of Panopolis, a 14th century Egyptian-born Greek alchemist and Gnostic mystic, who described it as a stone that is not a stone, or whatever. It is otherwise known as the beginning, the prima materia, and the end of the great work. If you're curious as to what I'm ultimately getting at, Curie's contributions to the study of alchemy, cross that, radium and radiation, were instrumental to the future development of the atomic bomb. Remember, this is all a prelude to what is to come. Another revelation that just came to me, I was frying eggs over the stove, is the alchemical power of mercury. It's considered one of the three primes. 
the Trinity. They were named by a man with one name, Paracelsus, though it is early alchemists like Jabir ibn Hayyan who got the ball rolling on the attributes of sulfur and mercury. <laughs> Forgive me for butchering everyone's names. Paracelsus, the 16th century Swiss philosopher, added salt to the equation and dubbed it the Tria Prima as part of his 1530 work, Opus Paramirum. He believed the Tria Prima contained all the poisons that cause disease, and that by studying them, alchemists could discover the cure. I will remind you that vaccines contain mercury, poison. It will do you well to listen to my episode on the polio hoax. Much has already been stated on mercury and the Elohim mercury, which I care not to repeat. And since connecting the dots is a pastime around here, very little of what I'm about to say will make any sense unless you first listen to my podcast episode, The Meaning of Life According to Alchemy, Pinocchio. Here it goes. The elite are using mercury to poison humanity and now chemically transform them into the donkeys which work the salt mines, whereas the chosen ascend from a base metal into gold, from death to new life via resurrection, just as Pinocchio did. Simply contrast the unschooled donkey and the slave master with the polio children and the doctors who administered the vaccines. Or in the case of neophyte Pinocchio, the so-called polio cripple, Roosevelt. If this confuses you, be sure and let me know. At the end of this episode, I will open the floor for questions. Another thing that Paracelsus believed is that the Tria Prima defined humans. He therefore assigned each of his elements to different human attributes. All right, homeschoolers, <laughs> let's go over the three primes. Number one, Mercury. Mercury is one of the seven planetary metals. As a member of the Trinity, it's equated to the feminine, the moon. You will easily recognize its symbol as the female gender signage. You'll also hopefully recall that Mercury serves as the guide of souls to the underworld. The role of the neophyte in the mystery religions was to learn that the esoteric significance of sun worship was to recognize the immortal soul, the divine within, and the alchemical resurrection of his soul. No wonder then why Mercury is the closest wandering star to the sun. But whether we are referring to the element or the planet, the alchemical symbol remains the same. The lie of the serpent in the garden should beckon a second glance when he told Heva, you shall surely not die, because Mercury represents the mind, as well as an acquired state capable of transcending death. In FYI, Mercury is often represented as a serpent. Number two, salt. Salt is a mineral composed primarily of sodium chloride. As the second member of the Trinity, salt represents the material body as well as the physical world in general, the earth element. It essentially equals the child. Salt is furthermore often impure when first collected, but can be purified through chemical processes. You should easily see the alchemical connotations here. Its symbol is a circle bisected by a horizontal line. Number three, sulfur. Sulfur represents properties such as dryness and heat, fire, the sun. As the third member of the Trinity, sulfur is the active male counterpart to Mercury's passive female character. It might also represent evaporation, expansion, and dissolution. In alchemical terms, we can look to the human body and see that sulfur, as the middling element connecting salt with mercury, represents the soul. And lest I forget, mercury is symbolized by the rooster. This will come into play when we take a closer look at the atomic bomb hoax. 
Remember, this is just a prelude. But at present, we're laying the groundwork. Depictions of Mercury often show the Roman Elohim being pulled in his chariot by a pair of roosters. Interesting, since Mercury also ruled the crossroads. This is precisely why we so often find a rooster on top of the weather vane. Among Mercury's divine attributes, he was the Elohim of deviation, trickery, and thieves. Which reminds me, the reported death of Pierre Curie. Tragedy struck on the 19th of April, 1906, when Pierre Curie was killed in a traffic accident. Uh-huh, April 19th. This is the same date on which the Oklahoma City building was bombed in 1995. Precisely two years earlier in 1993, it's the very date by which feds raided the Branch Davidians in Waco, Texas. April 19th, 1906. The very day of the San Francisco earthquake. Meanwhile, in the streets of Paris, Pierre Curie bumbled headlong into a busy intersection where his skull was crushed under the rear wheel of a heavy horse-drawn cart. News of Pierre Curie's death landed upon the front page of Le Matin, a French newspaper. You'll want to take note of a couple odd elements cleverly embedded within the article. There are, of course, the rather strange statements made by his father and lab assistant, which implied that Curie's absent-minded character flaw and unending preoccupation with his inner thoughts contributed to his death. Lee Matten furthermore included a map of precisely where Pierre Curie was killed. When it came to an actual photo of the two workhorses and cart that did him in, Lee Matten was especially sure to place a cross below the very wheel which fractured his skull clearly coded. The article made special note of the fact that Pierre Curie died in the crossroads. Why would they do that, you ask? Because wizards like to pass notes in class. Remember, the alchemical symbol for Mercury shows the wheel for a crown, a head to rest it on, and directly below that, the crossroads. The death of Pierre Curie was a hoax, but you knew that already. And in case you've forgotten, Marie Curie was selected a post-mudflood discoverer, an actor in the script, a background plot point for the Atomic Age myth to come. After all, Pierre's death hoax reminds us that Madame Curie is Mercury. What, you don't believe me? Madame Curie most certainly is not Mercury, you tell me. Then pronounce her name, Marie Curie. Now say it again, Marie Curie. Faster this time, Marie Curie. Marie Curie, Marie Curie, do you hear it? Marie Curie, Mercury. In Hebrew, there is no word for coincidence. Do me a favor and read Madame Curie's most endearing quote again. I had begun this episode by rehearsing the very quote, but you weren't looking for it the first time, were you? Amazing how many esoteric secrets they stockpile right under our nose. Truth in plain sight, though veiled. Case in point. Be less curious about people, and more curious, Mercury, about ideas. Marie Curie, Mercury. Uh-huh. Wizards passing notes in class. Exactly. In our next episode, we'll be taking what we learned today to talk about the atomic bomb hoax and Trinity.